welcome to TCK Care, the podcast. A TCK is a third culture kid. What is a third culture kid? We'll be getting into that shortly. My name is Stephen Black, and I'll be your host as we go around the world interviewing TCK Care people, uh, people who offer care and services to TCKs, as well as hearing stories from TCKs themselves, what it was like to grow up overseas, what it was like to grow up traveling the world, some of the advantages and disadvantages of being a TCK, how their past experiences have shaped their current situation, some of the unique advantages that go along with having that international, multicultural, highly mobile upbringing, and lots more. I would love to get some input from you as you're listening in on this. If you have comments, questions, concerns, or just like to chime in on the conversation, feel free to drop a comment, shoot me an email, or get in touch on social media. We are going to be starting this podcast strong with Michael Pollock. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Michael, because this is a TCK Care podcast, I have to ask you the terrible question, where are you from? <laughs> right, Stephen, you just used the, the TCK four-letter F word, um, from, and, um, and, but I, I I like to I like to tell the from from story. So um, mine, in a nutshell, is um, born on Long Island, New York. Moved to uh, moved to New Jersey. Um, seven years there. So I was a kid there. Uh, then moved to the middle of Vermont, New England. Um, okay. Then three years in Kenya. It was supposed to be six. Mm. Um, got cut down to three. So how old were you when you were in Kenya? Oh, I was uh, eight to twelve. Eight to twelve. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So. So the so some formative years. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then and then back to Southern Vermont where I did high school. And then when I went to college, which is uh, Houghton College, Western New York, my my parents actually moved out there with me. It's a funny story. But I was I was accepted to college, and then my dad was offered a job. So um, so he did he did double duty with uh, his organization and the college. Wow. And then uh, married um, right out of college. Uh, also, also DCK, but she doesn't claim it really. She was born in, my wife Kristen was born in Sierra Leone and then grew up most of her life in Iowa. So we moved together down to Baltimore. We spent, spent 12 years there in Maryland and, okay. and we kept, kept moving in four different houses, you know, as, as we do. <laughs> and, 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 uh, nine years in China and a, a shout out to Thailand. We almost moved to Chiang Mai, but, um, but no, mm. um, Tianjin, China, and nine years. I think four apartments there. So again, kept kept Whoa. ourselves, you know, kept ourselves moving. No kidding. Uh, um, and then we returned. We spent a year on the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland again, as we looked for a place to, to resettle, and headed out to uh, to Western Michigan on the Big Lake, um, not far from Grand Rapids, Muskegon. That's where we are now. Wowza! That is quite the story. And eight to twelve—that is—that uh, is an interesting time to, you know, pack everything up and move to Eastern Africa for a while. That must have been quite the experience. Yeah, Kenya was Kenya was great. Uh, we were at Rift Valley Academy, um, so that should that should connect with a lot of people. It seems like there are RBA grads uh, everywhere in the world, and um, but really, really enjoyed um, the time there. I was a considered a station kid who lived. 
uh, on the on the station in Kajabi. My dad taught at Moffat Bible College. My um, my mom taught nurses at the hospital. My parents were were dorm parents at RBA for for a year. Tenth grade boys. Um, and uh, and I just yeah I, I loved it. I you know at at that point I just planned on being there you know through my through my high school yeah. time, but that was not not me. Mm. I, I actually got to go back and student student teach uh, in my senior year of college, and so that was a lot of fun to be back, um, just to see it from a, a teacher or adult yeah. perspective and and spend time. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um. Did you happen to know the Jalous family when you were over there? Yes, I would say that would be like Mark and Debbie. Yep, that's right. Mark, Debbie, Daniel, <laughs> oh, Steve. My Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Debbie's brother, Dan, D'Angelo's, is my father-in-law. You're kidding. No. Oh, my word. You know, okay, this is a reach, but I, I have a I have a picture of my dad leading um, leading a, a picky safari. Uh, um, it's a high school group driving motorcycles across northern Kenya, and he drove the, he drove the Land Rover for that. And I think that one of the Jalous brothers was on that trip but mm. i would have to um yeah i have to dig out the picture and and uh and hear from one of the Toulouse guys but i they I, they were yeah a couple of them were definitely older older than i was i would have been um an 86 grad okay gotcha so yeah but, yeah that's that's really cool wow that's that is really cool. cool small world every time someone says rva i gotta throw out that connection and see if anything happens so it's cool that uh <laughs> cool you know them. <laughs> absolutely this Absolutely. is a good TCK Care podcast. We've already got, you know, a good from story. We've got some like international connections going on. Like, let's keep it rolling. <laughs> right. That's how it works. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Michael. Um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just TC- the TCK profile, if you will. Um, I, I uh, as a TCK Care coordinator, I have a lot of families who uh, head overseas and, um, you know, they're looking at taking their kids on a wild international adventure. And there's just, there's a lot that goes into that, a lot more than just, hey, let's look at, you know, traveling for a while and um, spending some time away from friends and family. And so I wanted, if, if we can, I just wanted to get into um, what exactly is a TCK. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And, it is, and as long as it's been around, there's still a lot of folks who, um, who are discovering the term yeah. and kind of, you know, Finding a, a piece of their experience uh, in the term, uh, I, a couple caveats I like to say at the beginning is one that um, some people call the, the TCK identity, <clears throat> and I honestly don't think it's an identity so much as uh, as a description of an experience mm. that, that then has you know has like as you said has lasting um, has lasting impact, um, and so um, the other thing is that I've I've met with some some MKs so right so for missionary kids. In particular, who 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 don't use that as an identifier and say, you know, I'm 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 just I'm an MK. This uh, I even had one person say to me, um, TCK is just a, a politically correct term. And I said, really, you know. Anyway, so we began to talk about it. And I said, well, if you the way you look we, the way we look at it, that uh, TCK is a broader term that includes, you know, the the missionary kids, it includes um, uh, military kids, um, you know, army brats, and uh, it includes international business. It includes um, the State Department and Foreign Service uh, and international NGOs and, and even the children of, of folks who are uh, moving across cultures to study. And so I said, you know, you, 
you know, it's kind of like fighting and saying, well, I'm a trout. You know, I'm not a fish. I'm just a trout. And you say, well, it's okay. But, you know, when you recognize that you're a fish also, that it doesn't define all of, you know, what and who you are, right? It doesn't <laughs> determine your future. It just it just gives you, in some ways, some connections to, to other fish. So you can say, like, hey, trout, catfish, you got, you've got some things in common that, that uh, say, a raccoon mm. wouldn't have. Um, right. And that's and that's cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so I think anyway I think those things are kind of important uh, baseline pieces. And then the the what makes a third culture kid a third culture kid? So, um, uh, really, the original uh, work that was done on the term or is coined by by Dr. Ruth Usine. Um So another another Michigan shout out uh, <laughs> to <laughs> to state. Um, and the research was was done there and then and in, and in India, and it was actually it was my father David Pollock who took her research and and developed the profile piece. So he said, okay, um, you know, he said, what about the practical implications? She said, well, that's that's not for me. You know, I'm a researcher. You you guys you guys do that. <laughs> and, uh, almost literally, that was that was her word. So so he um, he said there there are two key elements. In being third culture kid, one is one is the cross cultural, and one is the mobility. Mm-hmm. Now, um, then then you start to parse things down a bit in there because you, someone can be cross cultural and mobile within their own country. And I, I believe there are some in country you know in country boundary cross cultural pieces that are absolutely TCK. Yeah. Uh, but we've kind of parsed them into say okay that's a that's a domestic TCK and it. Because it has some some different implications. Um, why do we parse this all out? And part of it is, and it, we explain that in the the TCK book third edition, is because there's this been this ongoing battle between um, researchers and practitioners. Researchers say, well, we we want to uh, we want to set uh, so we can understand who we're talking about to do the research, because otherwise it's meaningless if it's sort of really nebulous. Uh, practitioners say, well, that's great, but we want to care for all the people who are cross-cultural and highly mobile, you know, and, and so y'all come, you're part of the, the family. And so I'm in that, I'm in that camp, even though I've, I've done, um, you know, some, some research, <clears throat> you know, we, we want to include those who have had this experience. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, but then, that, so then you have to, you have to draw some lines to help, to help both sides. And it was it was my my father who uh, developed the description. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it through. Uh, third culture kid is an individual who, having spent a significant part of the developmental years in a culture other than the parents' culture, develops a sense of relationship to all of the cultures while not having full ownership in any. Elements from each culture are incorporated into the life experience, but a sense of belonging, often in relationship to others. Of similar experience. So the implications of that are: someone can say, "Well, how long does it take to become a third culture kid?" We say, "Well, it depends. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so part of it depends on on the exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a military kid on a base in Germany, coming from the states, is not going to have the same exposure to culture that um, that the child of a Nigerian um, uh, scholar is going to have." Say in you know in, in Boston or London, um, you know the difference between immersion. Um, I, I kind of you know I, I feel like as we've looked at a lot of things experientially, about a year you know is sort of the minimum to kind of walk through at least a year of experience, mm-hmm. uh, because some immersion experiences during those developmental years 
um, a year can be really, you know, really powerful in that life experience. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, a lot of, a lot of that, what I just read is, is, uh, not defining, but descriptive. And so again, it's not intended to peg anyone, but these are, these are common, common pieces. So, um, the third culture is the interstitial culture between cultures. And so, so it doesn't matter how many cultures you could have grown up, you know, in 18 different countries. Like, uh, that's describing a lot of, uh, state department kids. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it doesn't make them, you know, 18 culture kids. You know, I've heard that. And I'm a six culture person. You know, so it's, right. it's, no, no. The, the third culture is the interstitial. And then the pieces, of course, those elements that get incorporated are, are from all of those different experiences. And when, you know, say our experience, it, uh, I was a principal for um, five of those nine years in, in China. Uh, we had we had students from all over the, the world. And 70% of our, our students were um, were Korean. And what we found is, again, you know, so you've got, let's say you've got an Australian kid in an American school with 70% of the uh, fellow students are Korean. You're going to have a pretty broad mix, right, of, of yeah. cultural elements. Mm -hmm. um, and so <clears throat> sociologically, it's, it's complex and you can't really... Um, say, well, this is the, you know, this is the, um, sociological construct of a TCK in a sense and name all those elements. But the fact that they are blended, mm -hmm. um, is, is definitely going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So third, um, third culture not yeah. refers not to a third country or a culture that you've adopted <laughs> along the way. It refers to the culture that, a, a third culture kid develops in their travels and in their exposure to multi multiple cultures. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And it, and the, you know, the anthropologists or the sociologists, you know, are driven a little bit nuts because they say, well, how do you, how do you identify what's in common? And, uh, and those, that is part of the work of the, of the profile to say, well, oddly enough, you know, um, considering all the different elements that can go into that interstitial, that between culture piece, we found these, we find these things to be quite, um, stable as far as, you know, these, these pieces, when you, when you, when you name them and people say, wait, that's me. How did you, how did you know? I don't, I don't like to be labeled. I don't like to be put in a box. And you say, right, that's also part of the profile. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, sorry to, sorry to read your mail, but, um, the, the upside of that is that you're not, you're not alone and yeah. you're not crazy. And yeah. those are two big, right. big pieces to hold on to. Can I put a quick addendum into the, the TCK conversation? Yeah, go for it. I'd love to also mention that people who say, well, that's really similar to, similar to my experience. So I have these elements. There's, there are many, many, we call it CCK, and I like to call them cousins, you know, to the TCK. Um, sure. Children of, children of, of um, immigrants, children of refugees, children of minorities mm -hmm. within a culture, mm -hmm. uh, folks within a country who... Where, where there's very strong um, uh, cultural differences in language. You look at countries like, like Kenya or like India, um, where there's, you know, really, really strong differences. And they, they go between, uh, they may never leave, you know, their political boundaries, but they go between cultures. Mm -hmm. um, international adoptees. Um, and, and then even kids who go to international school within, within a country and spend their days, um, you know, code switching, right, back and forth between home home and the international school. Right. So all of those, um, and there are even some, some really unique 
similarities that we've we've been discovering. For instance, and this just this kind of blew my mind. It's like boom, uh, the ch hearing children of deaf parents. They say they've been telling us, hey, you know, deaf culture is, is very strong. When a child with uh, is born with hearing, in that they become this this in between culture kind of thing between the hearing world and the deaf world. Mm, interesting. I, they they were saying, you know, we're using your materials. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so glad it's helpful. I wouldn't have considered that. So, so like other discoveries, I'm sure there's more out there. People will, you know, make applications and say, "Oh, this is really, this is really helpful work." Hmm. So, what are some of the unique challenges and advantages to being a TCK? Is this something that you want people to stay away from? Like, there's this disease that we've learned about called TCK, and you know, if you get the opportunity to serve the Lord overseas. Don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, great question. No, no, TCK is not a, a disease or a negative condition. It's a description of, of growing up that absolutely has its challenges and its benefits. And, you know, that that you, you just can't overemphasize. I was singing that song all day, um, you know, because, because you can make some really big errors on either side. Um, there are some who would say, the TCK experience, the MK experience, is difficult. It's hard. It, uh, there, are, there are these negative repercussions, and you just have to. If you if you've done that to your kids, you know, you just then you have to you have to just think about how to fix them. Mm. Um, that is a that's falling off the cliff on one side and not recognizing that um, where the ditch on the other side is to say this is an amazing experience. There are all kinds of benefits the worldview and the, and um, language abilities and the ability to empathize with, with people. Mm -hmm. uh, this is fantastic. And everyone who possibly can should do this to their children as, you know, as, <laughs> uh, as quickly as possible. And, uh, um, and you'll, you'll never, you know, you never regret anything. There'll never be a, an issue. Okay. So, and, and oddly, I mean, that sounds like hyperbole, but I, I've kind of heard that in different, uh, in different circles. And the reality is, is both it's the you know it's the beautiful both and mm -hmm. that they're uh it's fantastic um you know um for many tck's to have had this experience and even the ones who have a difficult experience where that you know some of the challenges out feel like they outweigh on uh, unbalance on uh, the benefits will often say well i'm, I'm glad you know but you know they, yeah. and the other happens as well they say this is difficult there were some hard things but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. And mm -hmm. what we try to help people to do in general is to say, okay, what if you replace that but with an and, right? So you recognize, yeah. because but negates the thing that comes before. So you want to say, well, there were some challenges, there were some difficulties, you know, but forget all that because I, I wouldn't want to trade it. And if we can say, and I wouldn't want to trade it, you know, then you, you can, you can, you can live, you can recognize both, both sides, um, that, that spectrum. That's a good example of dialectic thinking, holding two things that seem oppositional, but they're both <laughs> equally true and valid, right? Like, yes, I had a wonderful experience overseas, and yeah. also there were some negative things that I would have, you know, liked to have gone without, but it's all part of my experience. Yes, right, exactly. And, and that sort of seeming paradox is, is true right in so many parts of our lives. So just uh, take, going off of what you just said, uh, you're talking about how some of the advantages are language acquisition and, um, you know, a broad worldview, um, 
getting a lot of different experiences, that kind of thing. And then some of the challenges, uh, what are those challenges? I've heard that uh, grief and loss is a big one for a lot of TCKs. Um, some sure. have even said that it's a, it's a fundamental part of the TCK experience. Would you agree with that? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the statement that kind of, kind of rocks people when you say at, at the typical TCK, right at 18 has gone through more, uh, vital relational losses um, than, than than most people experience in their in their lifetime mm. when when a TCK leaves a, a community they don't just leave one important person it's not like that you know uh, or or a group um, but a, a whole a whole world you know it's their um, their universe and um, Doug Oda in his book Safe passage calls it the, the psychological cliff, uh, where you just everything just sort of drops drops off, and, and so dealing dealing with those losses, the natural outcome of loss is is grief. It's not something that you can choose to do or not do. Um, it's like the symptoms of getting the flu. Um, mm. It's going to come. It may look different for each person. It's going to maybe have a different cycle, but you know that it's it, it's going to come. That's just natural. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and so without a, a, a good process of mourning those losses, um, so I, I think of mourning as the active um, attending to the grief that comes, right? So yeah. it, again, use the flu analogy, um, which I like. Um, you know, it's what do you do when you have, you know, the flu? Well, you need people, maybe someone comes and comforts you and wipes your head and um, uh, you might get a, you know, you might take a day off in bed, you might... Um, um, you know, you have your favorite foods when you start feeling better, right. uh, you know, ginger ale and crackers and that kind of thing. And so again, how you experience it and what you, what you do can also even be cultural. Um, but it's really important to go through that, that process of, uh, of dealing with it, with that, that grief. And that's another issue that, um, oftentimes that grief isn't, that those losses are not identified in our lives. Um, and so to name those losses matters, mm-hmm. um, and then um, to identify them, but also that other people recognize them. We, every culture mourns that I can think of. I, I, you can come up with an example. Otherwise, that's great. <laughs> but every culture mourns together, right? They find a way, um, uh, you know, you think of Jewish culture. Well, a beautiful picture is, is sitting Shiva um, mm. with, you know, the family. And, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of, you know, I've seen this across many, many cultures that, we do it together. Well, if a TCK jumps on a plane, right, and heads off to, to college, they, they lose their world, uh, but they don't necessarily have anyone who recognizes that they just lost this world. So there's no there's no funeral, right? There's no mm. there's no process, um, right? And and so that grief often gets carried, and that has that can have yeah that can have some really uh, serious personal and interpersonal repercussions. Um, so that's a big one. Um, I, identity disruption. Is a, is a large one. This uh, chapter six of the book <laughs> dives into that more with when, you know, we have these anchors of, of family, community, and place. And when those get all rolled around um, during our developmental years, mm-hmm. it can throw that. So identity is a big, big question. So the grief, identity, um, the belonging question, you know, where are you from? You know, that causes panic attacks. You know, that I, I don't know um, is, is often a question of who do you belong to mm-hmm. really at its essence um, where do you where do you belong who you belong to and when we can't answer that question that can that can cause real um distress 
Now, I, and again, that's often why we seek out or why when we find other other TCKs, even with very different backgrounds from ours, we we connect. Um, I look at the, the you know the small the small town in southern Vermont that I went to high school. One of the first guys I connected with was um, this friend of mine, B.J. Merkel, and he he'd grown up a, an, an army brat. Uh, uh, and spent some time in Turkey and then Texas, which I always says you know of course is another country, <laughs> and, and then Illinois and then Vermont. And uh, you know so right military and my you know my background missions, totally different places, totally different experience, and we there was a there was a click kind of of of, of understanding. And that happens. That happens a lot. So that belonging piece often, you know, is experienced with other TCKs. Mm. Uh, and and then those. Uh, this is also interesting. Those who don't find that with other TCKs or don't identify them often will kind of lean toward people who are m- maybe marginalized at, at times or um, or crossing cultures. So uh, feeling at home in international community, feeling at home uh, with minority populations, feeling at home. Um, in refugee work and that kind of thing, saying, yeah, I, I kind of get this. Yeah. Um, so that happens too. Um, and then a, a, a one that I'd say too is also, can also come out of those experiences the, is the, um, the question of what do I do with all of this? Uh, my, my, my life, kind of my purpose and my path. Mm-hmm. And so having difficulty with the future, what am I going to do with my life? This is often a, um, an outworking of these, of these other, underlying um, underlying issues and and uh you know where do i go where do where will i where will i fit what kind of work will i enjoy with what kind of people <clears throat> and um uh particularly i think for those who who prefer by personality a more stable settled um experience you know some people by personality they love to travel they love adventure and that kind of fits in well with the restlessness they might feel Right. What happens when you're you long for right at you know a house and a and a white you know white picket fence like that's what you really you want to get your ranch you want to settle in a you know a, a particular city right. and you get you know restless feet syndrome that, you know you're like what do I I rearrange the furniture and I you know or, or I move around the city or um, yeah. I take I take frequent trips um, and then and I've heard I've heard some of some of my friends in that case where they've settled down and they feel really good about that. Um, to one place feeling almost guilty or feeling like suddenly they've, they've handed in their decoder ring from the TCK community. Uh, and they, they, you know, they're not, they don't live a valid life uh, mm-hmm. for that community anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's enough potential loss, right? It's, um, mm-hmm. And is experienced by many. Mm-hmm. Um, man. So, you know, um, in, in that, in that challenges part two can be experienced in this, this at that college or post-college level of, of delayed adolescence because there's a, well, there, there's a couple aspects um, of why, why that happens, but let me just name it <laughs> right now. Um, but, but the idea that, that even a rebellious period or um, a searching period happens, sure. happens um, than it does for many of our peers. So there's, um, and that, that is the other piece of kind of an uneven maturity. So if you're, you're, Global awareness, the way you relate to adults, your communication skills, your um, early autonomy, um, you ability to function on your own in the world. Jump on that, jump on that bus and that train, and um, you know, in cities all over the world, happens. Well, there can still be some undeveloped adolescent tasks. Um, there can be an unknowing of 
those home passport and home in quotes, right? Passport mm -hmm. culture expectations. Mm -hmm. um, there can be a difficulty in differentiating from systems, whether that be my family system um, or my organizational system. Um, and that can be a struggle too for, for uh, uh, in a faith system where you haven't really looked at those pieces. You haven't really looked at how do I, I'm not just part of this whole, I'm not just this thing because of my parents, but I've chosen, you know, these things. And, um, you know, this is the, looking at family systems, the benefit of highly mobile, you know, cross-cultural families is often really tight because they, well, that's been their consistent, you know, uh, experience through all the other changes. And, and there's, there's a, there's that grounding in a really strong family system. Mm. But natural, we also naturally need to differentiate from our, our parents and find out who we are as, as individuals. And, and that really strong and can even be, I'm not saying it's unhealthy. I'm saying, you know, really strong, good family system um, that sustained us through those times. Well, one, there can be a really sudden break, right? If you head off to college, but also, um, you know, affording the, the questions and the, and those, the changes that need, need to come just as a normal part of growing up. So, so you can have this unevenness where people say, well, yeah, this person really super mature, 15 year old, or, and then they're like, what's happening to this immature 20, 22 year old, uh, you know, can be part of our story as well. Right. That last piece, that, that system identification, um, mm -hmm. struggle can be one on the, on the broader side too, right? Uh, identifying with the military or <clears throat> with, um, and the military, you know, what happens when you turn 18 and they take away your, um, your ID card, you know, and then suddenly you're like, wait, this is, this was, you know, do I, to belong in the system that has been so strong for me, do I have to, I have to enlist, you know, I have to sign, to sign up again. Sure. Um, which, you know, which, which happens or, you know, what happens if I don't, um, state department or the mission, you know, sending organization or, or even, a um, a, a business. I was just talking with a, a guy, uh, who grew up in the shell corporation and, and, um, and he was, you know, contemplating a job back with them because, because of all the relationships and he's saying, but what if I want to work for another, you know, another company? Uh, and is that, is that weird to go back just because my, my family, you know, were with shell. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, you know, on the other side, I mean, is a good place to jump in. I've just hit some of, some of the big blocks that are difficult, but mm -hmm. there's so many, so many benefits. Because if someone just listens to that first part and they're like, no, nah, I got to go. Then you're like, see, Pollock thinks it's terrible to be a TCK. And it's <laughs> actually the opposite. I, I think it's a fantastic piece. We, we were looking at this number, 268 million people, right? Globally mobile right now, mm. which brings us to be like the fourth largest nation group. <laughs> you know, if you, if you make us a nation, um, uh, I've stopped, I used to say tribe and I, I stopped using that because of, because of some of the difficult aspects of, of tribal politics. Mm, but, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I kind of like the idea of this mobile nation anyway. Um, so there's many, many, many of us and the benefits, you know, we, we can sit down and, and name them, we, but we, we look at, um, this idea of, <clears throat> of being, uh, having a global cultural collection, uh, and, and often being, being knowledgeable, but also curious about the places because we realize, right. I might know these 16 different cultures, you know, that I've been a part of and grown up in, but oh my word, the world is full of other things that, you know, other cultures, other, other traditions, other ways of doing things, other languages. I don't know anything about, and it can make us, it can make us curious. Um, mm -hmm. Those those cr crossing culture you know skills uh, is actually 
there's several several folks working on this, but where it's uh, they're talking about cross-cultural intelligence, and and this is a deeply needed skill across the board in um, in missional work, in organizational work, in NGOs, in relief, you know, work in poli in politics and um, and global dynamics. We just we need more people with those kind of skills. That's really positive. Um, this three-dimensional worldview. You know, you sit there and you read the BBC on on something going on in Mali, and you go, "Wow, I was there." You know, I I I, I can smell it. I can see it. I I, I know some of the mm -hmm. underlying issues. Um, mm -hmm. And it's no it's, it's no longer uh, flat. And and that can also lead to the crucial element of empathy, right? If um, you know, if, when we when we have right, a three-dimensional view of people, their situations, the, the world, then, then we, we really can step in uh, to a greater extent to the, the things that they feel, the things that they experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, having a sense of, of security, um, moving through the world, and a sense of, yeah, I, I, can, um, <laughs> I can handle what comes, what comes at, at me um, can be a benefit. The, the motivation within within cultures to, to dig in and try um I, I mentioned that curiosity but the also the you know the motivation to learn sure um, also it can lead to it can often lead to a broad a broad base of knowledge um i'll just acknowledge that on the other hand i do hear sometimes with folks who've grown up uh one young woman uh growing up in kazakhstan said she was really disappointed that she didn't learn much about kazakh history and kind of the russian influence until she went to college and I said, okay, so sometimes we miss the mark where we, we could be, you know, learning about uh, different places where we're a part of and we, and we, and we don't. And, and that's partly being limited. Um, we do not have to be perfect. That is, that is, that's one of the lies that we sometimes, we sometimes hold on to as TCKs. Right, definitely. And, oh, and that, you know, that ignorance, right, is not, is not a, is not a terrible thing. It's, we're going to be ignorant about things. We just, we just don't want to be stupid, you know, just <laughs> ignore and never learn. So, Even when you're um, talking about a broad knowledge base, I was like, well, you're going to have a broad knowledge base about, you know, what the world looks like and yet uh, be completely, like, unaware of pop culture, right, on the other hand. So, like, it's a trade-off. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of one of the places where there can be a, a difficulty where people say, well, you know, the, the Internet, you know, so TCK, KR, TCK, you know, it's not a big deal anymore because, because well, the Internet. And the problem with that is, one can be the the narrowness of channels where we're we're looking. So if we're not right. looking broadly and using the internet well, the second place can be we when we we uh, take sort of even this globalized culture and we say, oh yeah, I know a lot about you know, say um, you know grew up in France, but I, I know a ton about the U.S. and going back there's going to be easy and um, because I've seen it all on the internet or I've been in touch with people or even travel increase. I've tra traveled back and forth. Uh, one dropping through is not the same as living in a place, and two, often mm -hmm. the local culture. You just mentioned this. The local culture is often so specialized, and there's much that you don't know until you, you know, put your feet on the ground and start start doing that, uh, putting in roots piece. Um, like my my daughter, who happens to be you know adopted Chinese, grew up you know nine years in China and then back to the U.S. And one of the first questions, of course, she was you know. Um, asked in, in Michigan was, you know, are you, are you a, a Michigan fan or a state fan? And, you know, <laughs> we had not prepared her well enough. I didn't even realize that was a thing. And, 
And I was like, wait, so are you talking about Michigan State then? And then, you know, University of Michigan, okay, I got this. And anyway, so those yeah. those kind of those kind of things, she said, you know, she answered with kind of neither, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, how we fake it till we make it. Um and uh but but those specialized things are uh are challenging. Um we, we talk about, you know, cultural balance can have its um its advantages with with you know with perspective mm-hmm. um and then some even its challenges when there's dissonance you know with, we've taken up values from different cultures and, and places where we've been um and and so we might have a great perspective on things but we also then struggle with well if i accept this culture that i'm in mm-hmm. you know do i have to accept all of the values um and so how much do we become a chameleon mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. and and what is the difference too um Again, uh, the work of John Barry was really helpful. I included in the third edition that his his cultural the difference between integration and assimilation was was a really helpful thought that you can you can learn to integrate bringing the pieces of your background with your with your present situation together versus uh, letting you know letting go cutting off where you've been and and totally becoming the thing where you are now. Um, so that's, that's that, you know, the blessing of the chameleon piece is that we, we are, we can adjust, um, mm-hmm. we can make those jumps and then the, the curse side challenge can be, you know, but you know, what if I don't want to just blend in with my background because, because values or preferences or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, we, we can also though wind up being bridge people for others, um, and helping, we can see where disconnects happen and we can, we can help other people walk through that. Um, and that, that can, again, a challenge of that can be the stress of being that person in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, we just did a whole talk on, on that, um, building bridges for lasting, um, for lasting change. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the, you know, those advantages of being a bridge person and then, you know, some of the downsides, but that's probably a whole nother, uh, whole nother talk. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Um, those linguistic, uh, benefits, you know, and, and the harsh thing is when a kid who's grown up in a you know, a couple of cultures or multiple cultures says, yeah, I never really learned the language. That was kind of, that was mine. I, you know, kind of smatterings of this and that, but what do I speak really, you know, fluently, you know, uh, English. Um, and I can, you know, maybe get by with my Mandarin and I can do some Spanish and, you know, I remember a few words and phrases of Swahili, you know, but, yeah, um, sure. some people have really taken advantage of that. And of course that, um, that's huge, you know, the, uh, brain development benefits for multiple languages is great. Um, the you know the ability to apply those in different situations and and work. Um, I encourage all listeners too to to always highlight and mention those things, cross cultural experiences, the language um, that you do have. <clears throat> and here's here's one of the challenges in the U.S. is that the culture is often one where you you know you uplift your abilities, right? Mm. Um, and so. Prospective employers expect you to, and we, I was just talking with a businessman yesterday about this. They expect you to overemphasize your, your gift. So, you know, you had a couple of years of Mandarin. I'm a fluent Mandarin speaker, um, but then you have TCKs coming from. So, I have a TCK friend who came from China and didn't tell an employer who was doing business with China that they had grown up there and were quite fluent in Mandarin. And I asked why. And she said, "Well." Because I really don't know the technical language, and I, I would feel like being a poser if I didn't, I wasn't able to communicate at that level. <laughs> and I just laughed. I said, you know, 
try it. You you tell them that you have management background to see where that see where that goes. Just encourage you. You know, you're not going to oversell. I promise. But um, and then if they wanted you to, you could probably learn the technical language, and you're going to be probably six seven years ahead of ahead of the people who are in those positions now. Right. Uh, potentially. So, um, yeah. So that's um, definitely language can be a a, a plus. Mm. There can be a side of that too, where there's some language confusion, and and I'm, I'm you know reading more. That's a fascinating area. The, the research that I've read says that you do want to have you want to have one you know one particular heart heart language, um, and and that, and again, there's some debate in the you know linguistic community about that. Can you, can you do it with two or multiple? But um, anyway, when someone asks that, a parent asks that, I'll say you know do do try to establish what's your you know, a key home language. Now, you may have parents who, um, right, who married, who, who have two heart languages that were not the same, and they learned a third language to communicate together. Um, what do they do with their kids? So, yes, there are definitely puzzles along the way <laughs> that they have to, to, to determine, but it's, it's worth doing that research and, and finding out. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's a great, just kind of a synopsis of some of the major challenges and advantages of being a TCK. And I was just going to ask, you know, what are some of the takeaways that um, parents who are listening in on this, perhaps parents who are um, actively raising kids in a multicultural, highly mobile experience, or perhaps parents who are looking at getting into that and wondering if this is the right decision for their family or not? Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to parents um, about how to sort of weigh the pros and cons and how to talk to kids and how to prepare them, how to essentially, how do you raise healthy children um, who are TCKs? Wow. You just asked me how to raise healthy children, which is a, which is a book, um, <laughs> healthy TCKs and um, in a couple minutes. Okay. I like a challenge. Um, <laughs> the first word that came to mind, Stephen, is, is intentionality. Mm. I think there is a lot that is out there available where parents can learn about the the benefits and challenges of a of a cross-cultural and, and mobile uh, childhood and can can actually do a lot. Um, I would encourage parents never to assume that children are resilient. Mm. Children are often resilient because parents are intentional. Mm. When when parents don't know what to expect, there are there are experts, there are experienced people to go to, and and there are informally there are there are people willing to to mentor. Um, it's one of the roles that that uh, our organizations have had, Daraja now, and then in interaction, there there are others. There are, there are quite a few um, more who who do that kind of kind of work. Um, to think about the development, you know, to think broadly about, right, the needs of the kid to, to say, okay, what are their developmental needs? What are their educational needs? <clears throat> what are their social um, social and, and emotional needs? What are their cognitive needs? Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I shared it in the book, but I, I, I have developed a, a seminar training for walking through the phases of transition, right, the different... Um, different parts of, of a, a general transition. So that would be, some people call it the transition bridge. Uh, this was, this was uh, one of the pieces my dad first developed was to think about, you know, you're settled in a place, then you're, um, 
then you're in you're in motion you're in tr uh, you're preparing to leave you're then you're in transit um, and then you're in the resettling piece and then you're settled again rinse and repeat for many for many families right. um, and so when you look at the, the the challenges and opportunities of each of those phases of mobility and then what I did was just to put that against a, a backdrop of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and again you can you can get into debates on on the um, the fullness of his of his research and his his theory, but the simplicity of it allows you to to parse out some of those you know what are some of those key needs, and mm -hmm. to say how will we meet those needs at different places and spaces. Um, okay, as an educator, uh, like to drill down on this for one particular issue, you say okay, I'm going to be taking my kids overseas, and I need to be thinking about their education. So there's all these different pieces you have to think about. What, who is my child? What kind of a learner are they? Um, where are we going to be? What will the resources be that are available? What can we afford? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> in that, how much do those different options cost? Uh, mm -hmm. what's, what are the realities of the of the logistics? What kind of a system do I want them to to link into? You know, and what what will I do, do at different breakpoints? So will I do you know what I consider homeschooling until they're 12, but then I'm not really you know we're not really prepared as a family to do that uh, next step. Um, where do I want them to be able to, you know, to study, uh, you know, post, post high school? Uh, how will my choices impact, impact that? What do I want them to, to learn and, and gain? And what are some of those challenges of different, different options at international school versus national local school versus online school versus homeschool? Those kinds of questions. Um, so just taking the area of my, the education of my children right in this is a is a pretty weighty uh, issue that has that each family has to has to walk through and consider their kids and then if you throw in some complicating factors like um, you know wow my child has been diagnosed with with ADHD or um, uh, as, or is um, uh, on the spectrum mm -hmm. um, for, for you know for learning or has you know or, or is the other you know the other end of has this super high capacity and, and, you know, how am I going to meet that need? So, um, you can, you can see, right. How one, <laughs> how one family taking on one aspect of, of development and growth could be quite complex. And again, seeking help, uh, and preparation is super important, uh, from folks who really know, uh, you and I were talking about even, um, seminars and, and preparation, like pre-field orientation mm -hmm. that, uh, Many organizations will will help their people um, move into, and so that thinking about you know organizations and um, corporations and whatever who who will help with that process of you know preparation and, and doing each step well uh, is a really important piece to look for too because we we need that we need that support um, right. as well as online communities and, and international communities that are um, you know sharing information back and forth so. It, it can be done. I think um, it's it's excellent. I, you know, like, again, it, um, it was a, a tell on myself uh, coming as a, as a TCK coming to raise my my kids. Um, you know, half my older kids half their life in China, and then adopting a child there. I really I thought you know I was I was ready. I thought I knew I thought I knew what I needed to know uh, as a as a parent of TCKs because of course I've walked through it and then you know look at I mean, my father's done all this research and I have this head start. Right. And um, <laughs> the truth of it was, I had a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. I really, I really needed those mentors for the you know specific area that I was in, but also 
my children had a very different TCK experience, you know, uh, or, you know, that developmental experience overseas, uh, I would say international school experience than I did. And so, um, I quickly recognized that, wow, I was also, um, new, you know, to, to the experience of, of being a parent and walking my kids through, um, you know, TCK China and, uh, mm-hmm. and had a lot to learn. So, well, it's kind of like uh, what you're talking about culture, how you never really know what to expect until you hit the ground, you know, your feet hit the ground and you're in that place. I think perhaps the same thing is true for parenting as well, and that you can pre- prepare all you want, but then, you know, expect the unexpected, so to speak. That's right. That's right. And that, and that it doesn't mean that you don't prepare because, oh, well, I'll have to learn anyway, but you know, you have right. to, you know, laying that groundwork is really important. And then, yeah. right. Being ready to, being ready to flex as you're there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. You've given us a lot of a lot to think over, and wow, this has just been an amazing podcast, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your um, sharing some of your experience and uh, talking a little bit about the research and the profile of what a TCK is and um, the advantages and challenges that they face, which are both significant, I think. And then how to um, how to kind of grapple with what a TCK is and what that means for your child as a parent. Yeah, Stephen, it's really been it's really been a pleasure, and um, and I, you know, William Paul Young, you know, on the on the cover of the on the Third Culture Kids Third Edition, you know, did did say, hey, this is the <laughs> this is the TCK Bible. But one of the reasons I don't like that, um, I really appreciate his his you know um, his honoring of the work, but um, and him as a person as a you know, as a Third Culture Kid um, mm-hmm. is is very meaningful. Um, but I, I like to say that it's, it really is an ongoing conversation. We've learned mm-hmm. a lot. There's much more to learn, to, to research, to dig into. And, um, and I appreciate, so appreciate what you're doing and, and other, other folks in positions like yours to advocate for uh, third culture kids, to, to help um, you know, ex- explain and bring understanding. And then you know, the more understanding, right, the better care that we can deliver. So, right, absolutely. So, carry on Thank uh, you. anything I can do to encourage you yeah definitely and if you guys are listening in on this and uh, haven't yet I'd highly recommend the book Third Culture Kids Growing Up Among Worlds um, it is like Michael's Michael was insinuating sort of the TCK Bible and I hadn't even realized that and I use that phrase myself on occasion <laughs> when I'm talking to families about raising TCKs and stuff like you got to read the book it's going to talk about transition it's going to talk about the profile and break it down much more extensively and So it's an excellent book. This has been TCK Care, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't done so already, I'd encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode of this fantastic content on what it means to grow up around the world, um, the challenges and advantages that come along with that, and what that means for TCKs today. I'll be back next week with a discussion on what it means to be a multicultural TCK in America today. Stay tuned.